Where do the Suns fall in the NBA hierarchy? We will map all of that out, give you our power rankings, and get you ready for opening night right away here on Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns as a credentialed media member the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns if you are not already. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean 14. We are joined today by Jackson Frank. You can get all of his work all over the basketball internet, uh, basketball news, dime up rocks. Uh, Liberty Ballers, we will talk about the Sixers today. And the, the main topic, Jackson, I want to get right into it because uh, knowing you and I, I think this was a two-parter last year, so we're going to have to uh, hustle through some of this stuff, is is where do the Suns really rank? Because we can argue about their path last season. We can talk about you know what they did in the offseason. We all have done all of that all, all summer already. But what I'm kind of really starting to try to narrow in on is we know everything in the playoffs can be about matchups. We learned that very, very closely during this postseason run that the Suns just finished. So that's kind of where I want to hit is how do they truly match up with the teams that they're going to have to face? And what does it really look like for them to do what they couldn't last season and get to the final? So before we jump into that too hard, how are you thinking about the Suns going into this season and the NBA at the top in general? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, not to spoil the conclusion, but I think I'd have the Suns, you know, right in that top five to six. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I have a kind of an idea of how I prefer some of those teams. But, you know, as I've covered the league more and followed it more closely, you just have to be prepared for 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 the unknown. doesn't mean I try to bake that in my projections, but you have to know that, like, you may think, like, I might think that Team X is the best, but I shouldn't be surprised if the team that I think is notably worse or didn't have the firepower coming into the year ends up, you know, being the best team. Um, but I, I have the Suns, you know, near the top of the West. Um, and I think, you know, they're, you know, they'd be near the top of the East as well. I don't, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's cool that in the last few couple of years, few years of the gap has really been bridging between, you know, the East and the West. Um, and I think, you know, in, for, for a few years, it was, you know, the top of the East versus the top of the West was fairly comparable, but now we're getting to those, that middle class of each conference is pretty, you know, pretty uh, equal. And so I, I would have the Suns kind of anywhere, you know, top three, probably either conference. I have to think about it a little, a little more in depth. And we'll get in the matchups part of it for sure. But um, right near the top, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly where I expect them to finish, but, you know, they, they shouldn't be worse than last year, most likely, if they, you know, if their top guys are, you know, as good as we expect. It's funny, going through, like, there was so much skepticism. I feel like that was such a big talking point throughout the playoffs. And then, we come off of it. Maybe the reality is the Suns just prove themselves. I I feel that way, and I, I guess that might be the easy way to to look at what happened. But you talk to you know I'll do preview. I'll do other people's shows. We did a big network preview show where we talked about the Suns. I, I do guest spots. I obviously read what other people write and what they say about this team. And I don't think that that skepticism is necessarily there. I think that there is a, a degree of comfort that this team's going to be pretty damn good again and and so I do think that's why I want to organize it this way 
because I do think that the real proving ground for them will be the postseason, as it is for you know a lot of the top contenders. What they do in the regular season, we can learn from, but at the end of the day, it's it's really what happens in May, June, and July that matters. So let's let's do it that let's do it that way. So what we're gonna do here is go through two or three of the top contenders in each conference. We'll start with the West. I'll give a quick rundown of each team, and then we're gonna. Jackson and I are basically going to sort through who is the, the best five, what is the best unit that that team will throw out, understanding matchups and things change, but look at it from that perspective and then how do the Suns match that? How, how do they, can they, will they be able to match what that team is best at and the, the five guys that that team wants to have on the floor? And so that's what we'll do. We'll start with the Warriors because they're a team I just haven't talked about a ton. I've spent a lot of time talking about the Lakers as we all do, Jackson, but uh. So Golden State, 21st on offense last year, 5th on defense, 538, projects them at just a .5 chance to make the finals, 36-46 and 46 record. I think they're just hedging with the uncertainty around Clay, around even James Wiseman and, and everything else. Um, plus 550 to win the West at betonline.ag. That's the second best odds. Um, so I think there's a, a pretty wide gap between what the Warriors could be at their worst versus their best and a lot of that's dependent on health and just how their veterans age my my five for them and I don't know if there's another five this one was kind of one of the easier I did put clay in here just assuming that if they're at their peak he'll be part of that group it's Curry Clay Wiggins Toscano Anderson and Draymond Green because I think that I mean it's basically they're they're closing five from last year plus clay what, what do you think yeah I think I mean they have a couple of different options ways you can go. I mean, if Otto Porter's healthy and he's looked good in preseason, I know it's preseason, but again, health is a huge contingency with him um, or caveat, excuse me. I think he could, you know, maybe be a better fit than Wiggins um, because they probably won't need as much scoring punch like they did last year with Wiggins. If Clay's, you know, a good player, I know Clay's not some big creator, but you know, high volume shooter, twenty point scorer, many years. Um, so I could see that. I could see Jordan Poole in year three. I know he's gotten a ton of buzz. He was awesome in the sec after he came back from the G League bubble last season. Um, you know, I could see, I, you're a little small if you're going with, you know, with a clay. I know clay is big, but you're still a little lacking. I mean, you're, you're still a little small there, but I could see that. Um, I think I would probably like anticipate Poole just being a better player by the end of the year than Wiggins I could see. So I'll go with him instead of Wiggins. Like, but and I, I, as much as I want to put Otto in there, I just don't trust the health. I mean, it just, you just don't have a track record of that him being, you know, being along, you know, big time, big time player or not big time player, just the guy who can count on, I should say. So I'll go with Poole instead of Wiggins, but um, I love what Toscano Anderson did last year, had such good chemistry with, with uh, Steph, similar in a lot of ways to Dre, whether it was dribble handoffs, the cutting, the short roll stuff. Um, it's a bit of a timid shooter, despite shooting 40%, you know, teams will lay off of him, but um, can knock down the open shot, good short roll passer, as I said. So um, I really am encouraged by the Warriors this year. Uh, just a lot, not just because of what they have, the roster they have, but the news coming out from people who cover the team. What Steve Kerr says is going to go with a really veteran-heavy rotation this year, um, which is good because you know as much as you want to get guys like Moses Moody, James Wise, and Jonathan Kaminga run, they're not conducive to maximizing Steph, Dre, Clay. Yeah. Um, you know, Anthony Slater wrote an article about a month ago about them running a lot of Dre at the five. They were awesome down the stretch with Draymond at the five. Um, no disrespect to Wiseman, but his absence was a big reason they closed the year. I think 15 and five had a good offense, great defense. Um, and then, you know, they have Kevon Looney too. And so like if, if two of your top seven or eight guys are centers, it's just not really an indictment on Wiseman. It's more just like 
it's hard to find ways to play three guys there. And yeah. so um, I would probably go with Poole over Wiggins. I know you're a little small, but I like I like the scoring punch you get there. Um, maybe just as little insurance if Clay is more of a, a stationary guy, maybe isn't as spry as an off-ball mover as we saw pre both injuries, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely the other two. Um, you just have a lot of really good defense between them. And, um, you know, Poole has a defensive deficiencies, but he can score the heck out of the ball and really fits what the Warriors like to run offensively too. To me, that the, the point you made about the not just the fact that they are going to play more veterans, I mean, that helps just in terms of we talked I talked about the gap between how they could be, you know, at their best versus injuries and other things at their worst. I think that playing veterans just kind of narrows that gap a little bit. You have less variability in terms of what you can be, but it also is going to help them in terms of just coming into the year, knowing exactly how they want to play, who's going to play and what they want to be on the floor, which was a big problem for them, not just last season, but the year before with D'Angelo Russell, and they're trying Mm -hmm. to just change. And it didn't, never quite made sense. And I think they settled into an identity that not, you know, didn't necessarily cut the young guys out of the rotation, but at the very least, put only the players that do fit into the rotation. And I think that's how we'll see them operate. Like Poole, Toscano Anderson, those guys are not, you know, 35, but they fit and they know what their role is and they obviously make sense within what the Warriors want to do. So I think that will just help them just win more regular season games than they have. They'll probably look a lot more like that end of season team than the beginning of the season team or, you know, the group at the beginning of the prior year when even when Steph was healthy, I think they lost, you know, four or five games to open the year. Everybody talked about that a lot. D'Angelo is not here, but it can get that bad again if they if they get wonky. So I, I think they just will avoid those hiccups and, and be more consistent. My yeah, question least, on this... I was oh, yeah, go say- for it. I would say like they have, they, I think their core play, most of their core players fit what they want to do better, especially in offense. Like yeah. Uber just did not fit on that team. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, Good. Yeah, I forgot about him. I think I, I put him well out of my memory. Yeah. Um, he can do some things, but he's more of a guy you want to maybe, you know, a team that's winning 30, 31 games. You need a little more offense. He's not really an intuitive, you know, guy in terms of that. Wiggins, you know, they needed a scoring punch last year, but Otto's a great off-ball player. Poole's a good off-ball player. Even Damian Lee, who I think is going to be in the rotation, at least based on some reports, um, is a good cutter and a decent shooter. So um, we mentioned Descano. Dre is obviously, you know, Dre offense. You know, he has his issues offensively, but he but he knows what the Warriors are trying to do. The offense yeah. built, is built around Steph. Um, so I just like that more. I apologize for cutting you off, but uh, I just kind of no, want to No, no, no. Kelly Oubre is uh, always welcome. I I don't know. I haven't had you on in a while. I'm giving away this bobblehead for people <laughs> who subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just one more way to uh, rid rid my memory of him, I guess. I like him. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but um, he just doesn't fit on a team that wants to play that way. I think in Charlotte, I'm kind of excited, but you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, he, he just was an example of a player that they were trying to put a square peg in a round hole, and it, it was obvious from the jump, and they just won't have as much of that this year. So... My question with them, uh, real quick before we end, I think we'll actually jump to the other two West teams with the Eastern teams, because I wanted to talk about the Warriors a lot. I knew we would go deep on them, um, is how do you think Aiton looks against not only a small team like this, because we've seen how he looks against small teams, but one that moves the ball this well and has the chemistry cohesion and really makes the defense rotate and be smart at the very top of their game when their offense is humming. I mean, that's a version of their offense that probably has a healthy clay, has a healthy curry and and some shooting around them that really is going to challenge an elite defense. But I do think that version is possible that the Suns might have to see. And they struggled with the Warriors last year, even when the Warriors were not at their best, just trying to contain curry. They don't have a, a perfect defender for him. So 
How do you think Aiton and this Suns defense really ha- can handle a, a very small group that, that plays so together on offense? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, the, the team that was kind of the, the standard for that last in the playoffs was the Clippers, right? When they went small without Zubots. Um, and, you know, you saw against Utah, obviously Gobert had his struggles, but <clears throat> the bigger thing was that Utah just had no permanent defender. So I think with Phoenix against my Golden State, Aiton's going to have to, you know, be very good, but it's also going to come down to McHale. It's going to come down to Jay. What sort of point of attack defense do we see from Chris Paul, who, you know, was good at times last year, but struggled down the stretch offensively in the finals. So, you know, like Aiton's going to, Aiton is important, but it's going to, it's going to rely on those guys a little more to make sure that like, he's not constantly in rotation and having to, you know, go side to side and run to the short corner and, you know, rotate back when, when Wiggins cuts or, you know, Dre's in the short roll, like can, can Mikel and, and, you know, Jay, I mean, Jay's more of a help guy, I think, in terms of, you know, those really aggressive digs and stunts from the wigs. Mikel's more of the, the point of attack guy. And I think I think what helps is, I think it's not a terrible matchup for Mikel. You see him mostly struggle against those those bigger scoring wings, you know, the Kawhis, the Jimmy Butlers, even the Paul Georges to an extent. Steph, I think, is, you know, is arguably the best scorer in the NBA. But I think it's not as tough of a matchup. I'm not, I'm not, they're not tough, but, like, it's a little... It's a little better for his talents, right? Like he's a great ball sure. screen defender. He can really make things tough. So I think it'll come down to them more than Aiton. But I, but I like, I mean, given the growth you saw from Aiton throughout the year, I'm not going to say that like, like right now I, I would worry a little bit. But like, you know, if we're talking about a playoff matchup first or second round, that's six, seven months away. I'm not going to say that like, I'm like, oh, Aiton can't get there. I think right now it would require a decent amount of growth in terms of like you saw he was great in pick and roll coverage and when things were ahead of him. But when he had to cover one thing and then back to another, that's still something that he's really trying to improve, right? So um, I'm not saying he can't get there, but it's uh, it's definitely an area of emphasis this season. I think that's the biggest thing I'll be looking for from him beyond some self-creation growth. But defensively, it's kind of how does he toggle all these different things that the guys like Capella, Gobert, and, and Embiid are really, really good at some of the premier defensive centers. And, I mean, even I mean, Gobert you know, had his issues again, but, uh, I mean, he's very good at balancing a lot of different things at, at times. And I think that's the next step for eight in defense. But they can get there, but yeah. he's not yeah, there yet. It's that steadiness, and it's funny that you mentioned Gobert because I don't. I think like most people, because of how much the NBA internet likes to clown Rudy, I don't think that there's a perception that he can do that against teams that you know move the ball and have shooting and things like that. He 100% can. I mean, there are specific things that he's going to struggle with, but that's not one of them. I mean, he's gotten a lot better in that space of you know kind of knowing what he needs to worry about, right? And so like Aiton to me. That's an area where he can really grow is just that control over every possession as a defender. I'm really interested in this matchup. I think it's going to be one of the ones I want to, you know, make note of the most because we saw, you know, four teams. We know specifically how the Suns match up with them because they played them in the playoffs last year. We don't really see them take on this version of the Warriors that was really rolling at the end of the season. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's, let's pivot to the, a couple other West teams and then the rest of the East here in the next segment. First though, a quick word from prize picks, NBA fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks, which is the daily fantasy, new daily fantasy contest made easy. We love it here at the locked on network. And we know you will too, because prize picks prize picks has the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other daily fantasy prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players who are only recording a handful of minutes each game, which means you get your pick from anybody. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, interceptions thrown, that's on the football side, to points, assists, and rebounds, of course, on the basketball side. So, covers across, uh, covers across all sports and 
makes things simple. You get your pick at everything. It's just starting over from scratch the good old way every single week. All of your users, all of our users that deposit using the promo code NBA will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's doubling your money up to $100, picking two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win 10 times on any entry of your money. It's just you versus the projected numbers. So you're not competing against a pool. You're not competing against an opponent. You're picking players versus their over-unders and competing against that spread. The award-winning app is available on the App Store and Google Play Store. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. And Prize Picks, of course, is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So again, promo code NBA at prizepicks.com to get a 100% instant match on your first deposit up to $100. That's double your money up to $100. Go to the App Store, download Prize Picks today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Keeping our contender preview rolling with Jackson Frank, you can read him at Dime Uprocks. You can read him at the Basketball News. You can read him at Liberty Ballers. We will get to the Sixers here in just one second. Uh, Jackson Lakers is who we're going to hit next. 23rd on offense last year, second on defense. 538 gives them a 4% chance to make the finals. 538 is very low on the Lakers. 42 and 40 is the projected record there, and they are plus one still, the favorites to win the West at betonline.ag. Um, with all that said, I really struggled to come up with the top five. This was honestly one of the reasons I wanted to do the exercise this way is partially just to sort out what the hell the Lakers best five looks like. I don't think they know. I don't know if any of their fans can even pretend to be sure right now. The What I had is Russ, LeBron, AD, Horton Tucker, and none. But that's not a lot of shooting. I don't know how they're going to have a lot of shooting with the players with Russ and AD and LeBron all on the floor together at the end of games, I think that's just going to be a problem from them for the jump. Uh, who is closing games for the Lakers to start the year? Who do you think they think is their best five unit? Yeah, so I don't, I don't love Nunn Horton Tucker there. Um, I think you, in conjunction with Russ defensively, you are putting a ton on AD and LeBron, um, which at their peak they are entirely capable of. I mean, they they were all NBA caliber defenders, you know, for stretches of to start last year. And obviously when they won the title as well, um, particularly the AD, of course, I, I like Russ and Malik Monk in the backcourt. I can't decide between Bazemore and Ariza at the three. I think I go Ariza has a little more size between the six, eight, Bazemore about six, four. Um, and then LeBron and AD um, Monk. I really like what he did last year. Um, shot 40% from three, you know, was Bill's a big time shooter and, out of college and, you know, has made strides in a lot of other ways, whether it's, you know, becoming a better creator, attacking the rim more. Um, didn't finish well last year, but has historically been a pretty decent finisher in his career. Um, so I like that. He's a good team defender. He's not great navigating his career as a point of attack, but um, if you have a Reza or Bazemore out there, you can kind of rely on one of them, even LeBron, and then you're going to be able to deter a lot of stuff with AD, you know, just given how much ground he can cover. Um, and obviously he's got the shooting there. He's versatile. You can run some stuff where he's, you know, he's a pick and pop guy for, you know, whether it's Russ, LeBron, AD, let them get downhill. Um, you know, it can be a spot up guy as well. Attack some closeouts. 
Um, you know, Bazemore, I I like him defensively. He can be a little. He can be someone who, you know, uh, a little overconfident in his creation skills offensively. Can can kind of turn on the uh, the tunnel vision at times as well. We're going to talk about Warriors who didn't really fit them offensively last year. Bazemore was a guy, despite being useful defensively, he's up and down as a shooter too. Last year, I think forty percent from three, but for his career, maybe thirty five percent. I want to say so. If you get a down year from Bazemore, maybe it's tough. But and then same with Ariza. So. Um, I side with the Raiders just get a little more size. I think he, you know, as poor as he is offensively, he was good last year with Miami defensively. Um, you know, it didn't mean a ton because Miami had a lot of good defense and needed more offense. But, you know, the way the Lakers have built this team, trying to skew closer to a better balance after last year. And I think, you know, yeah. obviously the 23rd offensive ranking was partly because I don't think Vogel had a great scheme, but also because AD and LeBron missed a combined 63 regular season games. May, I may have been maybe only 60. I mean, I'm counting some of the playoff games as well, but... Um, you know, obviously tried to add a little more juice with Wayne Ellington. You mentioned Kendrick Nunn, who, I mean, despite all his flaws as a passer and defender, who I don't really think is a huge rotation guy for a caliber team, can also can just run some pick and rolls and score for himself. So um, I could see Talon getting there. Obviously, yeah. it's going to be tough now because, you know, he's going to be out for some sort of period with, I think he has a torn ligament in his thumb, if I believe, which is really unfortunate. I know they are pretty encouraged by him, but um, I could see him getting there. But I just wonder, like, you know, right now his best skill is that creation. It made sense last year that they needed some of that um, because given the way the roster is directed. But now do they need that? Like if, if they're if the yeah, Lakers big healthy, you need much of that. But I can definitely see a place where it's just he is too good to leave off the floor. But right now I, I don't I don't quite see it. So I would go with Monk and in one of those older wings. And I side with the guy who's a little more size and reason, but also a guy who's injured. So, yeah, I mean, I, I went the, a version of this that I had down on paper before was with Bazemore. I really like him. I just find it so hard to count on older players to like, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because it's the Lakers and it's because on LeBron teams, we've just seen so many of these veterans come in and then, you know, they don't quite fit how he wants to play or their role is, is unusual for them playing on a team with him. Like it does feel like it it can be a toss up for who stylistically is going to settle into that role with a LeBron team versus who won't. I think Bazemore seems like a logical candidate to be able to do that. I feel pretty comfortable with him. He's not quite as big as Ariza either. I probably discount Ariza because of the Sun situation when I kind of wrote him off and figured he was done. I know that's probably not fair, but I do think his effort and commitment level can wax and wane. I think in this situation, he should be fully engaged. His role will be fairly easy. Knock down open threes, compete on defense. He has the size to help them. Um, at the end I of the day, I just I just would point out like he's kind of been a part time player the last few years. Like whether it's only being productive for half a season or last year, I don't think he even played half the year. So I yeah. get I mean like there could be a thing where like he comes back and they're relying on him too much, and by June he just doesn't have the juice. Like I think like for he's the Lakers, going to be fresher or less. Like you don't know how yeah. it's going to impact him, right? Yeah. yeah, I think for me with the Lakers, like some people are comparing him to the. I think maybe the one of the, the 18 Cavs, maybe I think it's like if, if it doesn't work, it'd be more like the 2014 Heat, where like, you know, they just a lot like a lot of those role players in the Heat. I mean, even Wade was struggling somewhat, like they just weren't good enough. And LeBron was obviously in his prime. I think that, and LeBron isn't in his prime right now. Like he's still incredible. I'm not saying otherwise, but um, that's where it kind of I could see some of that, like some of these like old, older guys are just saying just don't have it by the end of the year. Like they, you know, I think this team is going to be good, but you know, maybe maybe they rely or rely on a little too much to get a good playoff seed this year, and by by May or June, they're just a little bit out of gas. So that's what I can see for sure. I get the hesitancy to maybe rely on them too much early, and that's why it's a bummer. A guy like Horton Tucker being out, who could, 
you know, both use the minutes to, to grow and also be a guy who's, you don't worry about burning out by, by May or June because he's, he's not even 21 yet. <laughs> At the end of the day, I mean, to me with this roster and how it, how the Suns match up with it, I'm only really going to be incredibly worried about them if an overpowering version physically and, and from a functional strength standpoint of LeBron returns, which I don't think, I mean, it easily could happen. I probably would say it will happen. It's just a matter of how how powerful he can continue to be and how healthy he can remain as he you know winds down his career over the next three, four, five seasons. And if a version of Anthony Davis that we saw like in that last regular season game against the Suns or in the game three of the first round where he was dominant, if that version of Anthony Davis is there, I kind of think it trumps a lot of the other question marks that the Suns might be able to exploit with the rest of the roster. Russ, to me, I, I'm just going to have to see what... I, I don't really have a lot of thoughts until we see what he even looks like. I mean, we've talked about Russ ad nauseum, no matter where he's been. We've seen a fairly consistent version of him, no matter what situation he's been in. And I've, I basically, maybe to my own detriment as trying to analyze this stuff, when he was not able to make it work with so much catered toward him in that Houston situation in the bubble. And I know he had injury and I think he had COVID concerns in the bubble. And so that's not super fair to him, but when it didn't work with no center, a guy like Harden, who I think stylistically does really benefit Russ to be able to freelance like he would like to, it didn't work there. And I just don't think this Lakers situation is better than that. So I don't know why it would work here better, you know? So that's kind of where I am, but yeah. I think for me, I would just, I would point out like, what I, I think it's obviously, as you mentioned, it's, it's key that he had an injury and, and COVID. But even beyond, like, the process wasn't great. And, like, I, I wrote about it, I remember, last year. But at the same time, it worked because the Lakers had Anthony Davis. Like, AD like AD was built to shut down Russ on those short rolls. Like, they doubled, they doubled triple team hard and got the ball out of his hands. And then we're like, a bad match. Right, like, you can you just sag off and you'll you'll deter everything at the rim. But... I do think I do I do think in some respects it is fair because they won't have the same level of spacing right like then they won't they won't have yeah I mean like maybe like maybe teams will double LeBron like as a ball hand like sometimes they tend to go under but like if that's a, if that's a thing yeah and I think like what Russ does really well is he gets big men paid right or he makes he makes them makes things easier like Adam even Adam's his best year Daniel Gafford it's not a coincidence Daniel Gafford was really good after the trade Russ was a good fit for him so um I get the hesitancy for sure. You said kind of consistent rust. The consistency is inconsistency, right? Like you look at his last two stops, you know, Houston, it took a while for them to figure that out. And then maybe past January, February, and they were going to, they were awesome before the shutdown. And then last year he was dealing with the, some, an injured quad maybe was not very good, honestly, for the first 20 to 30 game. Maybe I'm overestimating, but there was a stretch early in the year where he was pretty detrimental. And then he turned it on yeah. and helped lead the wizards to the playoffs. But um, yeah, I don't know exactly what to make of it either. I, but I yeah. think, you know, if, if honestly, like it sounds cliche, but if any word's going to work, it's going to be here, right? Like, I mean, a guy with like he's going to kind of become a better cutter, become a little more discerning with his decision making as a downhill attacker with, you know, alongside LeBron. He's going to have that release valve if they go to AD at the five, you know, as a play finisher. So, like, if it doesn't work here, it's, I mean, and, and Russ is getting farther and farther removed from his prime when he won MVP, yeah. you know, about half, half a decade ago. It's probably not going to work because LeBron, you can say all you want about his GM skills or struggles, he tends to get guys to buy into their role a lot. Um, and I think this is where it's going to work because you can see Russ being awesome as a weak side cutter and attacking in space. And but it's a matter of you know Russ doing that. He, he's a guy who kind of likes to play on his terms. And for his credit, it's, it's worked a lot. He's a Hall of Famer, one of the best players ever. So, or 
one of the best within reason yeah. <laughs> across yeah, the sure. entire landscape. Gra- relatively right. speaking, of the thousands <laughs> yes. of people who have come through yeah, the I'm NBA, not calling he, he is one of but, the best. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I kind of personally, I'm at the point where I would like to see some uh, NBA YouTube channel make a one of those like marathon 24 hour videos of people with the same sound bites about Russell Westbrook over the past decade. And we can just like, and I don't even yeah. mean that as an insult to you, but it's just like, I, that's why I started with like, I want to watch him on the Lakers pretty much before I make any judgments. I mean, like yeah. I wrote something about him too. And I just basically made the, when he first got traded and I made the same point that you did, which is like, if it's going to work anywhere, it'll work here. But we, I also think we've said that before. Right. So like, I don't know. I don't know. So yeah. uh, I'm not ter- I'm not terribly afraid of the Lakers unless we just get all time seasons from AD another, you know, Hall I mean, of he's, Fame. He's the X MVP. factor. He just he just is. I mean, yeah, he, he is. He is. Um, OK, let's go to the let, let's go to the jazz because we are we are in true <laughs> to ourselves form uh, diving very deep on these teams. So we'll do jazz and the East after the break and the rankings. Uh, we'll, well, the last segment's allowed to be long, but let's move. Let's move there really quickly here. Uh, first, a quick word from Bill Parr, my favorite protein bar and the best protein bar on the planet. Uh, I know that makes me sound biased, but it really is true. Covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. You know what you're getting in every single bar. That's what I love. I can try a new pack. I can try a new flavor, and I don't have to really worry that I might not like it because there is that consistency. They're low in calories, low in sugar, packed with protein. Um, I like to get somewhere around the neighborhood of 20 grams of protein if I'm going to eat a bar that's the same in like a scoop of protein if you're into that type of thing and Bilt Bar gets the job done in addition to being delicious they have the regular favorites like my favorite double chocolate they have mint brownie raspberry so something for everybody they also have rotating assortments of seasonal favorites like cookie dough chunk which is the special right now so go to built.com order your pack today whether that's your first time, or you're coming back for more, you can use the promo code BUILT, or sorry, the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at built.com. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your purchase at built.com. All right, let's speed through some of these. I don't like talking about the Jazz that much personally, so this <laughs> should be easy. Third on offense last year, first on defense. I'm, I'm actually exaggerating. I really wanted to see that series Last season, I was kind of disappointed just selfishly that Utah blew that second round series because I was really looking forward to just seeing what Suns Jazz would look like. I thought it was a more fascinating matchup, but 18% chance to make the finals by the 538 predictions plus 600 at bet online to win the West. Uh, pretty easy for me, this this five, so that's why I think we can probably move through it pretty quickly. Conley, Mitchell, O'Neal, Bogdanovich, and Gobert. I personally don't... Th- I, I I've heard some of the analysis. I know it's it's the dog days of summer and we have to talk about the NBA and I, I have no criticism of people who do this full time. But when you're telling me that Eric Paschal is somebody that's going to make a difference, I'm going to skip the podcast episode. He's not going to do that. I really just have a hard time seeing that that's going to be the difference between the Jazz getting over the hump and, and falling short again. <laughs> Uh, Rudy Gay, Eric Paschal, Eric Paschal, to be honest, no disrespect. I mean, I mean look, there, like that. Just, I think it's like the, the NBA brain we all have of like, who did they acquire, and how can I turn that into an argument about why they might be different this season? And it's not always the case. I just think at the end of the day, like Mitchell probably has to get better on defense. Uh, I don't think there's really going to be much change to what Gobert is going to do for them. I really just think a lot of it's Donovan and. The problem in that Clippers series, more so to me than like the simplified narrative of the Gobert versus not Gobert, and did they have another five that they could have used? Like the team is the team. 
they didn't have any wing defense. Everybody was, you know, Reggie yeah. Jackson, Paul George were just just strolling Fair into the paint like it like the court was a practice court. And and that's going to be an issue no matter who is playing center. So again, to me, I just see the Suns and I feel like the Suns have the talent to get into the paint to to punish them in pick and roll or off of cuts or in transition and these things where the defense for the Jazz last year just couldn't stay in front of anybody. So unless, you know, I, it really just comes back to Mitchell. I don't see another player, maybe like Mie Oni, who I kind of like. I don't think he's elite, but he could be a, a factor. Um, I just don't think that I, they really I, address I, that. I think, honestly, like, Mike Conley's health is a huge thing here. Like, I mean, obviously the Jazz could have won that series last year, but, like, Conley didn't play until game six, and he was still, and he yeah. wasn't good. He was limited. Like, I'm not saying he's a yeah. bigger, of course, like Kawhi missed the final, I think, three games, two games, at least part of the series. Yeah. But Conley was really important to them. He's, he was their best, second best point of attack defender. I think he actually kind of matches up okay defensively against the Suns because where he struggles sure. is against those those huge wings. Like, I think, you know, Paul and Booker are strong. Pretty um, Yeah, I would think but so. Like, but, but Conley is pretty good against like-sized guys. He's really good navigating screens. He and Gobert were great last year defending pick and rolls. But he just wasn't healthy, and he hasn't been healthy, I think, you know, in some capacity for three of the last four years, whether it was the, the heel thing in Memphis. And then last year he dealt with some injuries before he was good in the bubble. And then, you know, he was, he had the hamstring thing for basically the second half of last season. So um, when I said last, I meant the two years in the bubble, but anyhow, like I think he's pretty important. I just don't know how much you can rely on him to be at full strength for an entire year because he's a smaller guard who has carried a pretty big workload and he's 34 going to be 35 soon. And like, yeah. and so, and like when your best wing defender is Royce Lee, who was good, but he's kind of small, right? And he's not, you know, he can do a lot of good things, but like you saw the limitations there. Um, the only thing I struggle with, I wondered like, would Ingles make maybe more sense? Or maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just too high on Ingles and too low on Boyan, but like, I think you can make a case if you want to throw Ingles at the four there. Um, such a good, I mean, especially if Conley's more limited, like I kind of trust Ingles a little more in those pick and rolls. I think Boyan I've been advocating just- for an Ingles trade just to turn him into a younger, a, a younger piece. He is so integral to what they do and he's played there forever. I don't know if that's likely, but that seems like something where any team would be better with Ingles on it. It might just be time to try a more athletic option there, but I don't know. That That's probably like Jazz fans would just think I'm crazy. No, because I, I, I think Ingles is still solid defensively, but I really do think as he's gotten older, his movement skills decline. He's like just yeah. not as good on the ball anymore. Like he's still good in help and, and you know, and pretty, you know, pretty smart and all those things. That's and great hands. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got some size. I mean, but, but I mean, like, I think he's better than Boy on, on that end. And I think, like, sure. the Jazz offense isn't, like, last year the issue wasn't really the offense. Like, I don't have their yeah. offensive rating from that series. But, like, you've got firepower. If, like, Mitchell has proven back-to-back years now to be just a flamethrower in the playoffs. Conley's a good secondary guy. Gobert, if you can get in the paint, like, he's a great finisher. Um, like, I think maybe you go with Ingles there. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really have a strong take on that. It's just those are the only six guys I really considered. Like, maybe Rudy Gay. Like, he was pretty good last year and you know, in, in San Antonio, I think he, like if you mentioned like Eric Pascal, we're going to talk about any like forward that came from a different team last Rudy year. Yeah. It's, Baker, it's, Rudy. it's not Eric Pascal yeah. who wasn't even in rotation for the, for the Warriors who were fighting for a playoff spot. So he's on uh, the yeah. team because he's close with Donovan. Like he's not, I just, Rudy, I think makes things interesting, but he's also not going to like, people are talking about him playing the five. I'm like, if you're taking Rudy Gobert off the floor to put Rudy Gay in at the five in a playoff series, then that's not going to make the difference that you're expecting. That's like, I just, it, the team yeah, is the I think, team. Yeah, I think he's just maybe the other the other option at that second forward spot. You know, among, yeah, he's going to play not. next to Rudy more than he would yeah, play exactly. instead of him. More, yeah, and a little, yeah, a little more mobility. And, and I mean, he he was good last year. Like, I was surprised, but uh, yeah, I think that's the only other thing I could see. But yeah, I don't feel. I mean, it's really just that four spot. But everything else is pretty set in stone. And the Jazz are, 
You know, like I think the Jazz could be really good. You know, I mentioned maybe before we got on or right at the start of the show, like I don't think they, I wouldn't be my pick to come out of the West, but I wouldn't be surprised like in the sense where like, you know, and this isn't to discredit the Suns, but maybe things align for the Jazz in the sense that like they're healthy and maybe they, and I'm not discrediting the Suns, but like they're healthy and they take advantage because they're a good team. And then all of a sudden the Jazz are in the finals, you know, um, mm-hmm. again, that's not to say that yeah. the Suns didn't deserve it, but every team gets a little you know, benefit of circumstance. And sure. you could say the Jazz had that when Kawhi went out, but um, they have their own issues. So the Jazz are pretty straightforward. Yeah. They're really good, but they have some clear issues if, if guys are full, if everyone's at full strength, I think. So I don't know if I said it. Third on offense, first on defense last year. 18% chance to make the finals, plus 600 to win the West at Bet Online. So, yeah, they're going to be right there. They're, I think they're going to be a contender to win the, the have the top seed in the West, maybe the top overall seed. They've proven that. They're going to be a regular season juggernaut. I'm excited to, to – I like watching Donovan Mitchell. Maybe Suns fans just have a thing with him because the internet decided that him and Booker were rivals, even though that's never really been borne out. Uh, but I, I love watching Donovan, and he's one of my favorite players in the league. So I would be excited to see a breakout year, a really bonafide superstar leap from him. I think he has the goods to be a better defender. I think he was a, pro, a prospect that we thought could be that. He just hasn't really been a a guy that, I mean, he's undersized for, he's definitely not the size of a two, you know, traditionally, but I think he has the athleticism and the explosiveness to to be a little bit better there, especially on ball. So uh, we'll see. But I'll, I'll let you actually just pick a team from the East because the uh, snafu you quickly get into talking about contenders in the East is, one, we already saw play out because the Bucks didn't change their team that much and they just beat the Suns in six to win the championship. And the other two teams are nightmares. So who do you want to talk about? <laughs> let's talk about the Bucks. I, I've okay. talked enough about the Sixers and the Nets are such an unknown. Uh, let's talk about the Bucks. I think you know, mentioned they're it. still fairly similar, but they made a couple of tweaks and they'll get they'll get, they'll get a guy back and not to DiVincenzo. Um, like, I mean, and like I'm happy to go on the record here. Like, I, I don't I don't think the Bucks are when everyone's when everything is equal would be my pick to win the title but i but i think they're going to repeat like i just like i think they get the they get the bump you know Giannis and middleton figured a couple of things out in the playoffs i think as the year went on offensively drew i think you know despite all his decision making flaws at times as a scorer you know is can't be as bad like it can't be as bad scoring wise in year two with the bucks like they're just my pick i I don't i i think the nets are probably a little more talented but like as you mentioned there's stuff going on there like and you still know um, the Lakers, I think they're probably a little more talented, but I worry about the, the injuries and the, the age and, and all that sorts of things. So um, they're good. They're really good. I, I like. I think Dante's going to help. I like the Grayson Allen pickup. He's, he's an improvement, kind of what they had last year. They didn't have much guard depth. They were playing Jeff Teague in the finals. So I, I think they're really, really good. Um, even if I don't necessarily think as, when everything's flat, maybe they're the best team, but they're right up there. They, they, they're deserving of everything they've, they've received in the, in the title, obviously. So. I really liked the Grayson Allen pickup. I think he's grown into a pretty useful rotation player. I mean, I get like against the Nets, against the Suns, against, you know, pick your team. Like there is a level of I kind of want to see that first. Just he is a little bit undersized. I I know he competes on defense, but he's obviously a little bit underrated or under-equipped to handle, you know, elite wing matchups there. He's probably not going to be much of a playmaker, but if he can survive as a 3 and D guy, they didn't really have a piece like that last year. Their their rotation was trimmed so short by the end of things because of the Dante DiVincenzo injury and the fact that they didn't really have anything behind him in the first place. So you just removed, like, kind of your only secondary guard next to Drew. Now they have two if Dante can stay healthy and Grayson does look a little bit better. Um, I think Bobby Portis just... Figured, them, figured some things out. 
in the finals and in the conference finals where I think he can be within that role, a pretty useful player. I mean, he, he his regular season last year was incredible. I think he can re- duplicate that. And I think he's kind of looked, figured out how to be a rebounder, energy player. They can protect him on defense a little bit with, with Brooke and with Giannis in a way that a lot of teams can't. Like, I just think that their institutional knowledge, and if, I mean, at the end of the day too, like we can go through the changes, but if Giannis is actually busting out some of these confident moves that he's looking like he's trying out in the in the preseason and he expands his offensive arsenal even more at least makes teams respect that he's going to be able to do some different things with you know pull-up jumpers and and different post moves and things like that like I mean this is a guy who's won two MVPs and a finals MVP and he's only 27 and he we could be talking about an even better season and and that's just terrifying so this team is going to be a, a juggernaut again I think you're right I mean if they repeat it I don't think anyone would be surprised yeah, I, I kind of wonder if we get to the point where, you know, it's a little bit of the, the LeBron style where they, they take it a little easier. I mean, that's what, that's what they did last year, right? Like they, yeah. they experimented, they tinkered with the rotation, the, the schemes on both ends. Giannis was still great, but I don't think he was as good as two MVP level season, at least not the second one, which was just one of like, just an incredible regular season. I um, mean, yeah. it worked. I mean, Giannis was incredible in the postseason. They won. They had they were so versatile on defense, especially because of all the things they tried in the regular season. Like, I wonder if that's what we kind of start to see with the Bucks and Giannis. Is okay. We'll we'll be a team that wins. You know, about fifty one to fifty five games. We're not going to gun for the sixty one sixty five win seasons, um, but we're going to be ready. Like we we've got the goods. And I think with Giannis, like I don't even care about the three. Like if he just has that little mid range pull up now, like. Yep. The one where he drives and has a little spin, like I think we saw it against the Jazz on, on one play. I think Steve Jones might have tweeted about it and it got a bunch of traction. Like that's the that's the move right there because he's because teams still aren't going to really guard him from three. Like he's arguably the best rim threat in the league last. I think he shot like eighty one percent in the restricted area, which is I mean like a free throw for him, which is ridiculous. Um, so teams aren't really going to guard him. Like sometimes he'll hit a couple of threes and teams will will kind of you know inch closer to him, but for the most part they're going to live with that. And so I think if he can get to that little counter. And that can be a consistent shot for him. Like I don't have the numbers on it, but like it feels like it's more been a thirty-five to thirty-seven percent success rate. If he can get to the 48 percent somewhere in there on short mid range, like now you're really talking. So um, I think they're really good. Like I just, I mean, I think having Grayson too, because you know Pat Connaughton I thought was pretty solid in the in the finals last year, aside of maybe one or two games I recall. But he's more of a streaky shooter. Like he's about thirty five percent from three. God, Grace his hot streak will, is probably the single thing that will give me nightmares the longest. Like there is no reason he should have been making as many threes as he did. He's <laughs> never been that type of player, and out of nowhere, he's just raining threes. I, yeah, so I, I agree. Think, I think like having another more, option, right? Yeah, yeah, a little more reliability from deep than, than Pat and being beholden to his streakiness is nice. So, um, and like I said, I think you know, as discouraged as I was with Drew's decision making scoring wise. He was still great defensively, was still pretty dang good as a playmaker for others. Like, I know his turnover ratio wasn't great, but it matches the eye test. Like, he was, he made some weird passes at times, but he's got a lot of strength and some flexibility that makes him, enables him to make those weird passes. So, um, I think we saw Giannis really take a step, you know, figuring things out as a scorer. Chris was obviously great in, you know, through the last two and a half series, more or less, maybe at least the last two. So, um, you saw, I mean, even saw Bud take a step forward. Like Bud was a way better coach by the end of those playoffs than he was at the start. And I think that's, you know, it doesn't always happen, but it is interesting how like we always talk about players getting better and, but like it happens with coaches too. And I think Bud was a great example of that. Tyler is another guy who's gotten better as a coach. Um, I think, yeah. you know, if we're talking about the Suns, I think Monty's going to learn a lot from the playoffs last year in the finals where maybe he didn't 
always make the best, you know, push the right buttons, which he'd done mostly throughout this first two years. So um, I just think the Bucks are really well equipped to to capitalize on last year. And even if I think maybe the, the fully healthy Nets are a little, you know, a step ahead and maybe even the Lakers, I just don't know if those are, are realities. Maybe they're just kind of conceptualized ideas. And I think the Bucks are a lot more closer to, yeah, to kind of yeah. their ceiling. Yeah. Their, their ceiling is more reality. So I, I really like what yeah. they have this year. And um, I, I was low on them last year and I'm kind of learning, learning from my ways and uh, trying to be, uh, to learn, you know, all right. I, I made mistakes. So I'll, we I'll, have, uh, we have uh, learned firsthand here in Phoenix. I don't think we will <laughs> underestimate the Bucks anytime soon. I, I do just want to reiterate too, Dante DiVincenzo, who maybe, you know, people in Phoenix, whatever, who weren't monitoring Milwaukee much last year. I do think what he grew into last season prior to his injury is legit. I think you can trust him to be a more consistent three-point shooter now. His volume and efficiency both went up over a pretty big sample size. His assist numbers were higher. I think he felt more comfortable in that offense, attacking closeouts and making plays and just being a, a chess piece for them. And then, you know, just his hustle stuff. He's a, a guy who had almost six rebounds a game last year out of, you know, being six four and playing with huge guys all around him was somehow grabbing boards. And I think that guy is a pretty perfect role player for the type of team that they are. So yeah, we've said far too many nice things about the Bucks for a Locked on Suns podcast, so we can move on. So what the teams we've talked about here, Jackson, are the Warriors, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Bucks, and then I mentioned the Sixers and Nets. I'll also add the Nuggets, Clippers. We don't have to include the Mavs. I put them on there, but I, I'm not super confident that that's going to be a, a real player. Unless Luka just goes like yeah. 07 or 09 LeBron, which, yes. <laughs> I mean, not out happen, of the question. But, I, but, but I've also done that, like, I think I, I was really on that train last year and then uh, got burned, and people don't like hearing me talk about Luka, so we can stop on that one. But um, so, so yeah. those eight or so teams, and then the Suns, um, I'll start with the rankings. That way I can give you a little bit of time to think. I still put the Nets on top. Um, Me too. Just, I know that we just gave all this flowers to the Bucks, but even if I'm pretty confident, I just think the talent wins. And the, the Nets roster is even better than it was last season. They have Harden for a full year. Hopefully they're healthier and the depth helps them stay healthier. You're so too Nash. We're talking about coaches as well. Maybe he figures a couple of things out. I'm not yeah. saying that's like the reason I have them on top, but... Yeah. You know, I think yeah. you know, talk about Monty and Bud getting better. That that's matters too. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So I have I have Nets, then I have Bucks. Um, I don't know if it's just a homer. Here, here's where I I think I might have the Suns third, but I just feel like that. I, to me, that doesn't seem like the consensus, and I and the fact that it's the team I cover makes me feel like I'm being a homer. But that's where I have the Suns is is the top of the but West and, and right is behind. Right. Consensus is like, <laughs> correct, and I I what do you I, I would have the Lakers. I would have the Lakers second here, like about eight, but okay. acknowledging that, like, I can definitely see that crash and burn, like absolutely a thing where Russ is maybe not the guy you need. AD struggles with injuries again, unfortunately, and like you never want to price injuries into this thing. But AD is a guy who's had enough of this. In but at the same time, AD's largely been a great playoff performer. So I would have them second. LeBron's LeBron still, like, like I know he struggled from that high ankle sprain, but that's not something you can like really recover from in season. Like you want to look at another guy like Christian Wood sprained his ankle, and he had a really good year overall, but he definitely was not the same kind of bouncy, explosive athlete post-injury last year. LeBron was the same way. I get the skepticism of LeBron because it's now two times in three seasons for a guy who's generally been ultra-durable, who's had pretty significant injuries. But he was in the MVP conversation before the injury last year. Even I don't think he was the, like, people saying he was the favorite. I didn't, I didn't, I did not like that manufacturing. Jokic was great all year, but LeBron's still really, really good when healthy. So I would have them second, but I fully acknowledge that it's maybe kind of an idealized version. But we're doing the same with the Nets, right? So Sure. So um, you have Bucks third- after them then and then the Suns? 
Yeah, I think I would go the Suns, like the Suns fourth. I would the Suns and Jazz. Like I know the Jazz didn't make it anywhere close to as far as the Suns, but like it, it, it's about matchups. You know, we saw that sort of thing. I think the Jazz, you know, <laughs> we like they were really really good in the regular season. I know that like that doesn't always translate, but they've got good players. You know, I think Quinn Snyder has to be less rigid. I keep talking about coaches like he that he just didn't really try things differently defensively, and that was part of the issue too. But they've got good players. Uh, Gobert for all his issues is an awesome regular season player, and if you have, you can kind of dictate your seating a little bit. Like I mean, you know, Mitchell is awesome as well. So I just toss up for me. They'd be four and five. I just think they're a little bit of you know, a little bit clear of anyone else in, in the East. Um, even though I think maybe a team like the Hawks have a little bit of upward mobility in a way that like you know not quite the same way that you know a team like. You know, just the Mavs, for instance, or the, yeah. the Nuggets necessarily. But the Nuggets are you no, know, no, Jamal. I mean, the Nuggets. People, you I know, mean, I, I see all these people talk about like, uh, like you know, the, does Jamal Murray change his sweep? But it wasn't just Jamal Murray. It was PJ Dozier. It was Murray as well. It was Will Barton played. I think half the series. Yeah. Um, that all has a ripple effect because what that meant is how often they were able to force Michael Porter Jr. to make a key rotation as the low man there or get him on a switch. And he was awful at that. Like, I mean, I, I still think Michael Porter is going to be a great player, but there's ripple effects to that. And but Monte Morris really... was like weirdly awful in that series. Ma- yeah, missed like just most of the shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so, yeah I would have I, the Nuggets. I, just, I, just think... I actually think Denver is um, right up there. I mean, I, I feel pretty like less so than other teams. I feel pretty comfortable that they can integrate Jamal back into what they do. I mean, it's not like he's it's a new matter of who he is, right? Like, I mean, exactly. You know, yeah. It's a matter of how, how healthy can he get and, and can he be the guy that he was in the bubble or are we talking about a different sort of player? Um, but I don't even think it has to be the bubble. It's like, yeah. he was really good last year. Like, yeah. I mean, he was having his best year to date. Like, yeah, you know, does it, I mean, he's improved as a defender a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But good pa- like better passer now, good scorer. Like, I think he was shooting 40% from three. Like, so yeah, I think if Jamal is who he is, like he has such good synergy with Jokic, I mean, Jokic makes things pretty easy for everyone, but he and Jokic have had such a good connection now for half a decade. I think you can pretty easily integrate him, as you said. And and Jokic, like, I mean, he's arguably the best player in the NBA. Like, I mean, you, you don't have to necessarily say he's the best, but, like, I mean, the way he dominated last year, I know he started a little bit in the Suns series and um, didn't like the whatever. I can't remember who he he, he had some some uncool play that he got him ejected from game four. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but he's dominant, so, I mean, you always, gotta, you always got a chance with him, I really do think. And if Murray is... That kind of that top 30-ish, top 35 guy he was last year, um, you're in a pretty good spot. And, you know, I think you saw some limitations with Aaron Gordon when he had to play up in terms of offensive hierarchy, but um, he was freaking awesome when he was that third or fourth guy who could just be a cutter and you run some stuff as you know with Jokic on screens and inverted pick and rolls. But, but yeah, I think the Nuggets of Jamal Jamal are, are right there with the Jazz and the, and the Suns. And yeah. I mean, depending on how they look, I might, might, I might have them above both those teams, but I can't say for certain. So here's my order. Um Nets, Bucks, Suns. Um, I'm gonna put the Nuggets there. Jazz, Lakers, Sixers, Warriors. Wow. So, Lakers are are tumbling down. I I, I just I, think I get it. I, I just I, I, get I can't do it. I really can't. I mean, and I'm totally happy to be proven wrong, but I just think like I don't know. At some point, you have to weigh how many negatives there are versus the expectation that a positive will materialize for them. And it's like, we know the talent is there and nobody's denying that, of course. But like, everything came together yeah, for I them think- in the bubble. And I just like that, that doesn't happen all the time, you know? And I think the talent around yeah. the league is better than it was in the 2020 playoffs. So, 
yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. I, I think for me, I would just say like their two best superstars fit really well together on both ends. They, you know, as, as many offensively inclined players, they brought in to replace defensively inclined players. They were second in defense last year. Like despite yeah. AD and LeBron playing like half the year, Vogel historically has been a great defensive coach. So I just, Dwight's back. I think I trust yeah. that. So again, I, I get that maybe some of the injury and maybe the age and Russ not being a great fit potentially could derail this, but I have them second still. I go Nets, Lakers, Bucks, and then it's kind of a maybe a slight drop off in terms of ceiling, but in reality, it could be kind of all grouped together among uh, the Suns, the Jazz, and the, the healthy Nuggets. But the, you know, but we're talking idealized, right? If we're talking about kind of we're talking about the we're, we're idealizing the Nets and Lakers, or I am at least. So I got to be consistent. Idealize the Nuggets, who were really really good post Aaron Gordon trade last year, and. You know, for all the things you can say about Michael Porter Jr., you know, I think he's going to have a really, really good year. Like, I think I think he's going to learn from that playoff experience. He's going to figure out ways to counter when teams are really physical with him when he works off screens, off the ball. He's probably, I mean, you want to think that he can be better defensively off the ball. Like, offense, like, on the ball, I think it's probably going to be a struggle just given his movement limitations. But I think he can learn to get better to better balance that because he was he was a, rotating so aggressively at times and then he would now, wouldn't rotate. So I think he's going to get better there. So... Um, that would be kind of my top seven. And then I don't know. I don't know what the Sixers, you know, you just, you just don't know. Like, yeah, you know, maybe I didn't even ben, include the Clippers either because I'm just, I, I don't, yeah. I don't really know. And I don't know if Kawhi will play. And at that point I'm just kind of guessing and putting them, Oh, if Kawhi, like I, eh, what are we going to do? There's not really who, much who to Reggie add to Jackson, that. Like we're talking about the playoffs, like Reggie Jackson becoming an incredible on ball score was so key to them yeah. getting two games away from the finals. Like, I, I think Reggie's going to have a good year because he's been good in LA his entire time now since dating back two years or so. But I don't I don't know if he can be a guy who averages, I think like post-Twi injury in those two games or maybe the second half of the series, he was like, or like second half of the playoffs, he was like 21, five and four guy on like 58, 59% true shooting. Like I just, I just can't quite trust him to be that. Um, can I give him some, his size and his age and some knee injuries? But I think he'll be good. But yeah, yeah. the Clippers, another unknown. I mean, so much of the West or the East, it, the West is, is unknown in the middle class, even the East, but mm-hmm. that's a little less because of injuries, more because there's moving parts and new guys, whether uh, it's the Bolts. Some, yeah, bizarre situations unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a fun season. I That's part of the reason that I've felt so comfortable with, you know, hammering, telling listeners that I think the Suns are going to hit their over. I think it's still at 51 and a half. I just think the Suns, the Jazz, the Nets, these teams, as, as long as they're healthy, which they have been for the most part, relative enough, um, they're going to be pretty great in the regular season. And I think next year's playoffs are going to be awesome for this exact reason. So um, as expected, we did go long, but hopefully this sets your guys week <laughs> off right. Uh, I'm going to go mentally prepare for the Cardinals uh, Browns game. Um, no coach. Half their team has COVID. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm probably going to need the remaining two hours here prior to uh, to prepare for that. Well, you, you guys will all know what happened by the time you listen. Maybe it'll be euphoric, but um, I'll be back tomorrow. Sky Mercury today too, right? Sky Mercury. Sky Mercury. Yeah, I'm less bullish there, unfortunately. Um, but yes, that, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how, how good of a Arizona Sports Monday we have in store for ourselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll wrap us up. I'm going to have a couple more preview shows, guys. And then, of course... On Wednesday night, we get the first Suns game of the year, national TV. I will be there. It'll be awesome. I'm sure you are all, all wow. I'm sure you are all thrilled. Um, <laughs> and uh, apparently I'm not, I guess. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> That'll wrap us up. Jackson Frank, you can read him all across the internet. Follow him at Jack Frank underscore JJF. Frequent guest here. I'm sure you all uh, consider Jackson an honorary Suns fan, as we've joked before. But that'll wrap us up, guys. Enjoy your Monday. <laughs>